Imagine if medicine actually looked at you as a whole, opposed to looking at you as a bunch of separate systems. Dive into Integrative Wellness Radio with Dr. Nick and Dr. Nicole to learn more about the top trends in integrative medicine, to learn about what the limitations are with testing and what you can do to start your health journey. All right, everyone. So welcome back to another episode of Integrative Wellness Radio. We have Brendan Brandon. He is an amazing colleague and and friend of mine. We actually met randomly at the Microbiome Labs. How many years ago was that now? Uh, That was about three at this point, I think. It was uh, 2019, I think. Yeah. I guess two, two and a half. Pre-pandemic, right? Yeah. yeah. But uh, it was an amazing seminar that we went to and we just started chit-chatting about our passion for podcasts and helping people in all different ways. And we both have different reasons why we got into the industry, but have come together with a very similar mission, essentially. Um, So I'm really excited for him to introduce himself and give us like the real raw story of how you got into this. I love when people like sugarcoat it, but I'm like, let's, let's hear why you got into this industry. Absolutely. Well, I appreciate you having me, Nicole. And I remember back at keynotes, yeah, in the good old days when we got to travel and, you know, socially come together and congregate, uh, you know, I'm kind of a wallflower socially and, you know, I was wandering around that pool and you mm-hmm. had the best like aura and energy. So I was like, ah! I'm going to talk to you. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's too funny. Yeah, so. I'm just like, hi, what do you do? Let's talk. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, you're just very friendly and personable <laughs> and it makes it easy to, to vibe out. So I'm excited to, to vibe out today and see where the convo goes. Yeah. And I appreciate the opportunity kind of because like the bio, right. It's so like flowery and pretty and flower, uh, flattering yeah. and like, yeah, I'm proud of the bio, but it's, more like the painful journey that I had yeah. to go through to, to accomplish that, that bio, right? And it's dirty, it's messy. Uh, I get so many messages all the time through social media kind of, well, how'd you get to where you are? And like what programs and credentials and whatever, I'm like, you're missing the point. The, yep. the point is the hell that I went through to, to climb to the top of the mountain, which is more the, the real battle in itself. So you know, it's like a 12 year journey that started as being kind of a high functioning, depressed teenager, not really knowing it. And, you know, having this very self-destructive, like, I want to be a real life superhero that translated into, I need to become a Navy SEAL. So at the age of 18, I signed a six year Navy SEAL contract. And then that was like my life goal at the time. Um, I think my, my heart was in the right place, but not really my head. And so I was about halfway through boot camp and they found I had an injury. They deemed it pre-existing. So they're like, not our liability, not our problem, medical discharge, you're out. Uh, so then that was my life dream ripped away. And it was always kind of a fallback plan of, you know, health, fitness. I was just huge into fitness and, and performance and optimizing all of that. So it, it, that naturally shifted into personal trainer, nutrition coach. I worked for uh, Lifetime Fitness, which is a huge, you know, billion dollar corporation that has, they do a great job. I mean, anybody that knows Lifetime, it's a very impressive corporation. So I got this exposure to all sorts of sciences. And I just, I loved the science of human performance, human health, metabolic illness. And so 
whereas like functional medicine, a lot of them are some sort of licensed medical provider, whether it's an RD, DC, ND, MD, whatever. And, you know, they went to a medical school, they studied, you know, disease and maybe pharmaceuticals or natural medicine or whatever. So they're kind of coming from it at, from the opposite side of the spectrum, whereas I started with performance and then I was working with mostly metabolic syndrome, standard American metabolism, people that very metabolically ill, but I want to lose weight. Yep. Um, and so as I started creeping down, it's like I started studying more and more, well, what moves people away from health? What moves people away from performance? And it didn't take long before then I'm starting to get into well, the root causes, like what happens when good nutrition, exercise, lifestyle is not enough, right? Because yep. that's the world I came from was fitness, nutrition, health coaching, but that's not always enough. And, and sometimes it is a little bit more complicated. I would say like 80 to 90% of the population, it's really just the basics that need to be integrated into mm -hmm. their day-to-day -day behaviors. So that's where, I mean, I went through my own healing crisis, toxic, you know, narcissistic relationship, living in a moldy home, sprinkle in some MTHFR wild goose hunt, <laughs> you know, do a few parasite cleanses, trying to figure out what the hell is going on here. Um, there, and I'm jumping over so many details of at one point I had an intentional overdose on my psychiatric medications. Um, I actually, I was first put on this is probably important for the conversation where I was first put on psychiatric drugs when I was 17. Um, so I was in high school, I was just doing a, a sports, uh, physical, you know, for, for athletic participation and without any assessment testing referral to a psychologist, nothing, just here's Zoloft kid, like might make hmm. me feel better. Um, Zoloft did not sit well with me at all, which, you know, now we have all these stern black box warnings, but we just hand these things out like Halloween candy to teenagers that are just trying to figure out life. Right. Yeah. And so that was 17. I didn't actually get referred to a clinical psychology or psychiatry office till I was 21. I underwent wow. the formal assessments and evaluation, which was all subjective, right? It's yes. questionnaires, it's symptoms, it's archetypes of your behavior. There was never any lab testing, not even a single blood draw. Um, so I was officially diagnosed with major depressive disorder and ADHD at the age of 21, put on three different medications of Vyvanse, uh, Wellbutrin and Adderall. Wow. Um, what a combo. Yeah. Pretty potent, you know, yeah. blast there. And then literally it was two weeks after my diagnosis. Uh, I woke up in the intensive care unit, breathing out of a tube because I had intentionally overdosed and I was in a coma for medically induced coma for like 48, 72 hours as they were pumping my stomach. And um, they did some blood work then. And, you know, my liver enzymes were in the thousands. I later found out. And, uh, once I was medically stable from the ICU, I got transferred to a psychiatric ward in inpatient sort of experience. I asked if I could like, what are my rights? What are my medical rights? Can I, can I refuse treatment and go home? I don't want to be here, but it's one of those well, you can, but if we think that you're a threat to yourself or others, yeah. we can overpower that and you'll be sent to an asylum and that's way less fun. So you might as well just play along here because it's more mild here is what I was told. So then I was literally locked up in the psychiatric ward for four days, never got to step outside, see the light day, breathe fresh air, you know, this processed cafeteria, garbage food, 
And some of these people were so heavily medicated that they were just sedated, right? Yeah. Like these, you know, um, people written off by our psychiatry system as just they're mentally ill. They're a threat to themselves and others just sedate them. So they're zombies and there's n- the light from their eyes. It's just gone. Yeah. They're practically you know? a walking corpse. Exactly. And, you know, I, I was a high functioning, high motivated, you know, kick-ass young man that just, you know, was struggling at the moment. Mm-hmm. So I, you know, I had these battles with the psychiatrist that treated me like this confused, broken thing that could only be mended by their pills and their dogma. And so that is that crisis, which was then followed by a horrible relationship and mold illness and all these other things. Yeah. All the shit that nobody looked at. Yeah. Right. Right. Yeah. It wasn't relevant. No. Yeah. They, it's, it's not even a conversation. It doesn't exist. Like even the idea of maybe doing like a blood test, to look at physiological function for the sake of psychiatry that doesn't exist because there are no biomarkers of mental health, which is bullshit because there is, (laughs) Yeah, it, it does not align at all with, so this is where like, usually when I'm discussing all of this, it's like, we have to understand the language barriers of like, there's the narrative that the scientific literature says and the language that scientists use, Mm -hmm. then there's what actually gets adopted and integrated into conventional healthcare and the language that they use. Mm -hmm. And then there's functional, which is, you know, wild. And then there's the language that the consumers and mainstream and none of us are speaking the same language. So everybody's very confused about what the hell is going on with mental health, but that's just like a brief synopsis of what's been like a 12 year thing. So well, there's so many things that I want to say right now. First and foremost, I'm like, if you didn't see my face change audience, you uh, I'm sure now you're paying attention because this is the shit that makes me rage. And we can curse on this podcast because people know my personality, (laughs) but I'm just, this is, exactly the reason why we are so lit up to do what we do. And on our spare time, we do podcasts to educate the public because that experience is unfortunately more common than we realize. And it is so unbelievably negligent, unscientific. And if I hear one more time, the conventional medicine model say evidence-based research, peer-reviewed articles. And I'm like, what is your research even based off of? It's based off of funded research from pharmaceutical companies to push the agenda. And yes, there are lab tasks to evaluate a variety of different things, just inflammation being one, which we're, that's scratching the surface. But there are tests that exist to measure if you have an actual serotonin problem, an actual GABA problem, an actual dopamine problem, which are your feel-good hormones, your motivation hormones, your thinking straight hormones, your sleeping hormones, and nobody looks at them. That is not even a common test that is run in psychiatry, but we automatically look at the person subjectively and say, well, you know, you kind of fit the mold. And yeah, I'm actually not even going to dig any deeper into the actual real life struggles that you're going through. You know, why don't you just take this pill, get out of my office a little early and you should be good to go. 
And the amount of individuals that come into my office on their SSRIs, their antidepressants that are actually in serotonin toxicity. So now they're depressed and anxious is astronomical. And did anybody look at their gut considering 90 to 95% of your serotonin is made in your gut? No. Did anybody look to see if you have inflammation in your body? Do you have mold toxicity that's not allowing blood to get to your brain? No, that's not even relevant. It's not even on their radar. And if you said it to them, they would look at you with cross eyes because they don't even know what you're talking about. And that's the very, very sad reality of where medicine is at. And yes, you have to be your own advocate because once you start understanding this, that's when you start to seek out for answers and actually more objective evidence around what is going on with you. And half of these labs, we can run it through LabCorp and Quest. And then obviously when we want to get into the more comprehensive stuff around neuroinflammation and blood-brain barrier disruption, there are labs for that as well now. So your options are, you know, I don't want to say limitless, but there are more options than there ever has been in the past. And I do want you to talk about something that you've been developing with the uh, DHA labs, because I'm, that's amazing that you're doing that. But, you know, a couple of other things that I want you to talk about um, outside of just that lab is when you went through that process of, you know, essentially saying six year commitment, you know, into the Navy. And now I am exiting this way earlier than ever anticipated. I would assume that's going to be like a loss of identity. Mm -hmm. Yeah, there's so much um, to unpack. There's be a fun convo. And as far as that, absolutely. You know, when, when you're a young person, like, you know, 18 is the legal age. I feel like you shouldn't be allowed to make any life decisions till you're at least 25 or something. Right. Cause it's yeah, just right. like, you just, you don't, you don't know anything. You don't have any sense of perspective of the world or yeah. life. And the only way you can really learn is, is by experience. Right. And there's so much to be said for that. So I was, you know, I was, I was highly, highly motivated young man that didn't know who I was or how to channel my motivation or ambition. And, you know, I do have my kind of psychiatric phenotype, if you will, right? Like we, every individual has their unique aura, their unique nature, um, which is this kind of beautiful and complex epigenetic phenotype expression. Mm -hmm. And I think it's such a double-edged sword of, you know, we, you, we could talk about Comte and Mal and, you know, some of those genetic things. But ultimately, it's just genetic characteristics that how are they being expressed depending on the input signals the genes are getting from your psychology, your environment, both literal and esoteric environment. Um, You know, your cells are always listening. Our programming, our experiences. And, you know, I think even just if you're a personality that you're like, I make a decision and I have a high commitment and a loyalty to that decision. Mm -hmm. And then that has to shift and pivot. And there's a lot of people that don't like shift and pivot. They're like, no, 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 no. I made this decision. I, this is where, this is what I need to do. This is the job I need. This is the career that I need. This is the hobby that I need. And now something happens that throws a wrench in that. 
and now having to to shift that and you're like but I was going to give this my everything. Yeah. That's that's very ground shaking. Totally. And now you go in and get an evaluation and you're being told like oh well you have poor mental health or you know you need the only the only option is a drug that will palliate this. Right. But what about the actual coaching around life experiences and and shifting the perception around the experience and helping individuals to know that pivoting is not always a bad thing like that is there's such a lack of any of that oh absolutely and it it was a huge loss to my sense of identity and i think i did a pretty good job of kind of pivoting into like i very quickly fell in love and obsession with um exercise physiology and nutritional biochemistry so in a lot of ways you know becoming a personal trainer nutrition coach was a relatively fast pivot and um i really just dove head first into it because that's just who i am i mean i do things full force and i go after it um but there were still those underlying deeper issues on both the psychological and physiological level mm -hmm. and you know this is where our current psychiatry model is i mean not just psychiatry it's it's all of conventional medicine it's a grotesquely incomplete model that has really gotten bastardized by the economical gain of big pharma, like, like you alluded to. And so we're kind of met with this weird collective crisis where, I don't know, it's like American capitalism and consumerism that has just gone too far. And we're seeing the repercussions of that And medicine itself has been bastardized by the economic giant, right? I mean, you look at what the practice of medicine has been since, you know, the father of medicine with Hippocrates versus what it's mutated into yeah. today. And I think what the collective is feeling is they're starting to realize this system is highly dysfunctional and it, it's exclusively reliant on synthetic. And right, like the fact that we live in a time where our conventional healthcare system does not acknowledge like, oh yeah, your, your IBD has nothing to do with your cardiovascular issues. That has nothing to do with your diabetes. That has nothing to do with your mental health, like that just doesn't even physiologically make sense. Like it's hundred percent. It, it just makes no sense at all. Well, they, that, that's so the reductionistic. Thing, that's the thing that I say all the time. I'm like, did you learn physiology in school or did you, did you decide, did you make a decision to completely ignore it, forget it, you know, back shelf it because just the simple thing that I say to individuals all the time, I was like, we want to talk about mental health. And this is as basic as it gets is your serotonin, the majority of it, as well as even the synthesis of your dopamine is in your gut. So, you know, you're dealing with two, two separate problems of your, you know, depression and your IBS, your gastroenterologist and your psychologist or psychiatrist, nobody talks to each other. And we assume that they're two completely separate problems. And obviously the layering effect of, of some of the things we are going to talk about today is, you know, how does mold toxicity and chronic infections and all of those other aspects layer on top of that. But, you know, we're completely ignoring physiology in this, in this model. And totally. it's just so unbelievably, not even just frustrating for us, but for the patient because they're the ones trying the medication. Okay. Okay. Let's change the dose. Okay. That one's not working. Let's switch it. Okay. Let's add one. 
And then, and it's, you know, a year goes by, two years go by, five years go by. And they're like, okay, do do you got anything else for me? We're just going to play this game of switching up medications or are we going to try something different? Absolutely. Well, in part, I think part of it's like when it comes to treatment efficacy, the conventional system, which is, you know, it's, it's insurance, it's pharma, it's big tech, it's government, it's all in bed together. The system that they created requires such a high level of, you know, treatment, research, efficacy, and standardization. They're the only ones that can afford that standard. Like there, what are you going to do? Like, who's going to fund a study to show like eating clean for 30 days, like, there's no money there. So they created a system where in order for something to be accepted as efficacious with a treatment perspective and and to be integrated into the system, well, you, you guys are the only ones that can afford to produce that level of of research. So it just, you know, it it just, that's a huge problem. Right. And that's, that's where like Quran has done a lot of work with trying to create a research model that like supplement companies can afford because we don't have the deep pockets that big pharma has because we're not monopolizing illness the way that big pharma is. But at the same time, I also feel like, okay, we need to do research around something that should be common sense. You know what I mean? It's like, okay, eat the food with chemicals, feel like shit or (laughs) eat, you know, the food that's grown from the ground, not covered in chemicals and feel better. You know, it's Mm -hmm. like, we're like, do we really need to do research to? Right. To, to I was like, just going to say that. Do we really need research? To, it's, it's legitimately common sense, but yeah. that that's the really sad reality is that we, I think honestly, since birth, we have all been stripped of using forward thinking, critical thinking and common sense is, you know, and it's the, you know, it's all over the media, social media, et cetera, right now in just the idea of all you need to, protect your immune system is a vaccination. And then we see that the vaccination is one of the primary populations of individuals getting the virus, but then we still trust it. And I'm like, there's so many things you can do on a day-to-day basis to support your immune system. And yeah, some of these things are food. Some of it is supplementation and some of it is technologies that you've never heard of before, like immune boosting protocols using PEMF devices. And, you know, there's so much out there that's being, I don't want to say fully hidden, it's just not in the common narrative. But there are so many amazing things that we could do every day on our own. And then also, you know, practitioners in the functional space can facilitate as well. Absolutely. I mean, it's like you you look at the the weight of evidence uh, behind vitamin D, vitamin C and zinc. Yeah, like, I don't think anybody can really argue against that. And yet, that's been totally censored and pulled from social media. And it's just, yeah. you know, so let alone PMF, that's like pseudoscience compared to zinc. <laughs> oh yeah. yeah. <laughs> even still, right. It's just crazy. It we've, is. we've lost our connection with our intuition as a species and mm-hmm. we're so reductionistic and down the rabbit hole and this matrix gaslighting world, nobody knows which way is up anymore. Right. Yeah. We're being yeah. divided and conquered on a very fundamental level. A hundred percent. And, you know, one of the things that we, we briefly touched on that I want, I would love to hear your perspective on it in your experience. And now your experience with working with clients is the idea of 
manipulation of pathways. So you mentioned you were put on three medications at one point in time that were targeting three different pathways. And that resulted in you being in the hospital and being put into a drug induced coma. Like that's a, Mm -hmm. obviously that's a very severe end of the spectrum, but you know, how many individuals are walking around in a low grade coma and they can't feel anything and they are not interacting with their loved ones like they used to. And, you know, I feel like my personal experience with this idea of manipulating pathways, even from a functional and natural perspective is I actually lean away from Mm. using different nutraceuticals um, that would try to manipulate the serotonin pathway or manipulate the, you know, the GABA pathway, which is the calming hormone, because I find that once you fix that foundation and you deal with the underlying root issues of inflammation, infections, toxicity, then a lot of these pathways now have the ability to have the burden removed off of them and go back to functioning optimally. That doesn't mean that sometimes we need the cofactors like the B vitamins and the zinc and some of the th- some of the nutrients that help those pathways run. But, you know, what has been your experience with that? Because I know that you are working and a lot of the things you've been posting online is talking about, um, you know, the immune system of the brain, the glial system, talking about neuroinflammation and how this can literally manifest in mental health disorders. So I would love for you to speak on behalf of that. Yeah, I mean, you really just nailed it, uh, Nicole, where you know, what I just heard and what I would say is, uh, support the pathway, don't manipulate it. Right. Um, and of course, like that's again, with, with my background of fitness, nutrition, and, and I don't know, being a nature buff and psychology buff in a lot of ways. Um, when I really went full force in the functional medicine space, I was really caught off guard and bothered by the lack of fitness, the lack of individualized nutrition, even, yeah. Um, it still felt very well run all these functional labs and give all these supplements, mm-hmm. but there still felt like, he, and I'm looking around at, and I'm not trying to, you know, talk ill of any, but I'm just like, have any of you done a push up in the past, you know, couple of years? Yeah. Like when you look at, at even just movement and how just movement and moving your, like, for example, if there's such a thing as a molecule of mental health, I would say it's brain drive neurotrophic factor so far, you know, good old BDNF, big biohacking subject, which I think is a little gimmicky, but so far based on the science, the neurotrophin model and theory of mental illness is really the strongest it, and the punchline kind of goes neuroplasticity and neurogenesis is how we heal the brain and rewire it. Whereas neuroinflammation is like that forced fire that's burning it down. Mm-hmm. Um, kind of those, those two things are, polarized, they're antagonistic. So the punchline really becomes as neuroinflammation and excitotoxicity, neurotoxicity goes up, neuroplasticity and neurogenesis goes down. And they used to think that this uh, mental health molecule brain-derived neurotrophic factor, they thought it was exclusive to the central nervous system, hence its name, brain-derived neurotrophic factor. But actually now we know that this same molecule is produced by your skeletal muscle and it also functions as a myokine so now it has a secondary name, which is metabokine, because it has such a profound effect on your metabolic function. We see that brain drive neurotrophic factor metabokine produced by your muscles 
actually regulates uh, insulin release and can regenerate beta cells of your pancreas. So they're looking at like exogenous injections of BDNF as a treatment for type one diabetes, mm -hmm. which is like unheard of, right. Or as a treatment for neurodegeneration or all these other issues. And, you know, so a lot of what I do as you know, I'm more really quick, life, really yeah. quick lay person yeah. interpretation of what he just said is when you exercise, your blood sugar is better and your brain is better. Yeah. So <laughs> that yeah. was my summary of, cause some people are like, what? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And, and so like a, a lot of what I do on a day-to-day -day basis, I think I would have made a great pharmaceutical scientist in another life because mm -hmm. that's what I love is I love studying what are the mechanisms that are implicated in this condition. But the difference is rather than I'm trying to create a synthetic drug that, you know, modulates those mechanisms i'm looking at well let's reverse engineer that of how do we functionally modulate those same mechanisms those same pathways so when there's all this research of like oh inject somebody with bdnf and that helps their brain heal it makes depression go away it heals their beta cells in their pancreas and i'm like okay so how can we naturally you know boost bdnf and boost that same effect exercise, sunlight, sleep, nutrients, yeah. right? So it just becomes this, the mechanisms are cool, but the science just points us right back to yeah. like primal living. Like we're not supposed to be sedentary living in dark with blue light and eating fake food. Like just going for a walk in nature with sunshine is a huge boost mm -hmm. of neuroplasticity and decreasing all these things. And the technical stuff is cool, but like, we don't need to get mm -hmm. lost in the weeds and we are. Yeah. So yeah, there's so many mechanisms and if people, and I, that's what I tried to do is help people understand like mechanistically, here's what's going on. Mm -hmm. However you want to attack that. If you just want to attack with drugs, great. If you just want to attack with supplements, great. If you want to do all lifestyle, great. As long as it moves the needle, who cares, right? Yeah. If you reach your goals, but I want to give people options with their treatment. We thank you for being a listener and subscriber to Integrative Wellness Radio. If you're looking to learn more about Integrative Wellness Group, as well as Dr. Nick or Dr. Nicole, you can check out integrativewellnessgroup.com.